That's what it's gonna be. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Tube Night, our generic TV show podcast. We are two TV show enthusiasts with no background or training in TV or film, but we love watching shows and then talking about the shows while laughing at our own jokes. This season, we're watching Star Trek, the original series, which I've seen before. And I haven't. And this week we watched episode eight, What Are Little Girls Made Of? So kind of a provocative title, I guess, considering what we've seen of representation of female (laughs) characters or the use of femininity in female characters so far, you know, in our long seven episode (laughs) track record. But we were prepared for this. I think we went into this with a fairly open mind. We said it was like, Oh, I wonder. But, yeah. You know, no Where is this going to go? Deep notions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this is actually the seventh episode of the show because of, you know, airing differences, whatever. Um, I quite liked the Wikipedia one sentence summary. So I figured it doesn't hurt to open with it because I guarantee you as we talk about it, it is going to go in a lot of directions that may not <laughs> imply this summary, yeah. <laughs> even though it stands true. So according to Wikipedia and whoever contributed this, is in this episode, you have Nurse Chapel, who's making her second appearance for us, <clears throat> searching for her long lost fiance and uncovering his secret plan to create a sophisticated android society, essentially, for galactic conquest. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. I actually really like this summary because yeah. it sounds like it's just Nurse Chapel. <laughs> yeah, she single-handedly is responsible well, for, for everything. the entire adventure. Absolutely. This is, it's just her. Nobody else from the show actually shows up in this episode. Yeah. It's just I'm Nurse okay Chapel. Like, I would be down. gets too much of the limelight, so it's he Nurse does. Chapel's turn to shine, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, um, the title of the episode is actually a reference to a 19th century nursery rhyme that the nursery rhyme is actually called what are little boys made of so take that to mean whatever you think it means but the nursery rhyme itself is that what are little boys made of uh snips snails and puppy dog tails and then what are little girls made of is sugar and spice and everything nice or all things nice and based on just this poem, and now that we've seen this episode, I feel like it should have been titled What Are Little Boys Made Little Of? Little Boys Made Of, totally. Because things um, got dark. That was nice, or sugar, or spice. Yeah. yeah. That was puppy and dog only, tails. I, yeah, and I'm, the only female yeah. that was made in this show that we got to encounter wasn't being used for the, or create, wasn't created for the nicest of reasons. Is yeah. What, so like sugar spice everything nice kind of was like a is a a bit of a whitewash yeah. or not a whitewash in a white sense but like a nice wash a I guess. Yeah. yeah in what it actually implied or implicated yeah yeah but, a, yeah i think whoever chose the title was trying to be clever and yes. didn't really pull it off so yes maybe didn't Take, think it through yeah Take note, all aspiring um, TV show <laughs> script writers, choose your title yeah. carefully because, yeah. you know, we're watching. <laughs> <laughs> People are watching. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
But um, yeah, the title actually, the first thing it made me think of was the Powerpuff Girls. Heck yeah. Did you watch that? I loved it. It was one of my um, favorites. <laughs> yeah, I didn't watch it religiously because um, yeah. we didn't have uh, cable. We actually yeah. um, had a public broadcast out of the U.S. Nice. that did cartoons in the morning. Um, so I watched a lot of Scooby-Doo. But uh, yeah, my grandmother had more channels, including yeah. YTV. And Powerpuff was on YTV. So we yeah. watched that when we went yeah. to visit her. My and sister our, and I, yeah. this was our after school show on yes. Cartoon Network. And like to think back on it, the episodes were tiny. Yeah. But we loved it. And, yeah. you know, their theme song is all, or at least the, the intro to the theme song is about sugar, spice, everything nice, and then chemical, chemical X. X. Yeah. And it applies here too, because it yeah. is, you know, sugar, spice, everything nice, i.e., reference to the personality of the yeah. the source material but the chemical x is the androidiness right dun, dun, ding. Yeah. yeah we're yeah. jumping the gun quite a bit and back and forth but uh, <laughs> this is just you know how my thoughts are proceeding so this totally. is how i will share them <laughs> yeah powerpuff girls for the win yeah so this episode is basically the source material for or i guess the inspiration for the powerpuff girls because it far preceded that show definitely i imagine but yeah. um yeah, yeah. I, I feel like Powerpuff Girls did a much better yes. treatment of it. <laughs> yes, I think so too. Like it was much less uncomfortable. Yeah, they were a lot um, more badass, and I enjoyed them yeah. thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, okay, so we get started with the episode. Let's do it. Um, it opens on the bridge with Kirk in his captain's chair, and then Nurse Chapel, who I'm deeply ashamed to admit, I didn't recognize her right away. <laughs> I was like, she looks really familiar. What is she from? And I'm thinking like another show. And then you were like, that's Nurse Chapel. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> different hair. She's not in yes. the sick bay. I'm yes. hella embarrassed, but it will laugh. Very different There's hair. Nurse Chapel. Um, mm-hmm. And they are bearing down on a planet um, that is supposedly the last place that her fiancé was known to be. He's been missing for five years, but Mm -hmm. she's very confident that he's out there Mm -hmm. Um, and they're looking for him. And we learned that the nurse chapel actually um, had a career in bioresearch, which she ended up giving up in order to join the ship specifically to look for this missing fiance of hers because mm-hmm. as we learn later on it's actually a student teacher relationship yeah she was taught by him and he looks, <laughs> when we encounter him his image he's, is older he's old enough to yeah yeah to definitely reinforce the um student teacher yeah and they remind thing. you a few times, like it comes up a couple of times yeah. about how she sat in his class. She was taught by him. You know, his material was like foundational reading for all of them. So he's yeah. older than Kirk, it seems. He seems older than most of the people on the ship who are, I guess, the youngins. Yeah. But not even that young. So he's old enough. Old and enough. the fact that he's engaged to a student of his whatever love is love sure but <laughs> not my favorite detail uh, the optics aren't great to put no. it mildly and no. then to put it less mildly the power dynamic inherent in a student teacher relationship yes. makes and, and not even just like any old student teacher relationship but he's basically like a celebrity yes. you know busy yeah. position type of researcher and i think we've we've encountered enough horror stories in real life of that kind of thing to sure yeah to not uh to react a little viscerally to that yeah and she gave up her career in something that she was doing well to now seek him out basically like 
there's yeah. nothing wrong with being a nurse on a spaceship sure yeah but it seems like a but bit again, like a, a school nurse type of job yeah you know in the space world and right. if she, if she, the way it's been presented that she gave up a career in bioresearch yeah. does make it seem like this wasn't what she actually wanted to do given right a choice right yeah and um, and like if I, I don't know. I'm the, so we don't know how post-secondary education works as far in the future, <laughs> but I would think that like, if you have a promising career in bio research, um, does that translate directly to being a doctor as opposed yeah. to a nurse? Okay. What does bio research mean in this world? I guess. Yeah, no idea. Question <laughs> the fact that I wrote it down verbatim because I didn't yeah. know what else to translate that into for yeah. present words, but yeah, she's yeah. very intent on locating this fiance of hers, fiance. and you know, as as good little. Okay, this sounds so <laughs> condescending. I'm going to take all of that back. Start again, as like um, your stereotypical war wife. You know, yeah. knowing he's out there. I I know he's alive. I, he's I can there. feel it. He's yeah. not dead yet. When yeah. Kirk is like, you know, you're holding he, on real long. How are you How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, he's probably dead. You know. Yeah, but, and then yeah. you have Spock being Spock, giving us sort of the lowdown, and this is the planet. It's, the gravity is like one point one of Earth. It has a pretty safe atmosphere, but it's getting cold because uh, the sun is fading. You yeah, know, the like, usual. <laughs> you never have a healthy planet, ever. Yeah, never have a healthy planet. And Spock never really, you know, like sugarcoats it. He's just like, look, no, like, I don't I'm like gonna... that, though. Yeah, I, I mean, I do too. I really appreciate it. But he's definitely just like, he did. And yeah. this is why. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he actually, I think at some point, I remember what, I don't remember what he says exactly, but he like, asks her like are you sure like yeah what are you doing and she's yeah. like oh you don't know love you don't yeah, know you've never have you ever engaged. had a fiance yeah. yeah um yeah so yeah goes um, um but at this point he's also he's basically our our we get a narrator but i don't think we had as many captains log uh, voiceovers in this episode as no, usual pretty so, sparse yeah so spock kind of did that where he also introduces us to dr corby yeah and the words he used, I just found them interesting, were he's the pastor of modern medicine. But mm-hmm. I don't know. So the way the subtitle spelled pastor was like like Louis Pasteur, like yeah. pasteurization. Yeah. It, did he mean pastor like, you know, of the church pastor? No, I, I think he probably meant Louis Pasteur. Or like a shepherd pastor. No, I think Pasteur. Um, okay. the the guy because okay. um yeah Pasteur uh did a fair amount of revolutionary right medicine okay. type work. I've been to his house actually in France. Oh, very um, that cool. was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, there a um, lot of fungi. I think. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> but yeah, no, I I think the the reference was to Louis right. Pasteur. Okay. Um, yeah, so he's the Louis Pasteur, I guess, of modern space medicine. And he's like revolutionized modern immunization and um, Kirk quips like, I know, bro, this was required reading, Reading, except he doesn't say bro. But anyway, so like it's this doctor is renowned enough and old enough to be in textbooks for people like Kirk to learn about. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah. yeah, just gonna nail home again exactly how old this guy is in relation so very to very subtly, but so I don't know if this was the intention, but it yeah. doesn't like make any secret of the fact that this is like an old dude. Yeah. Um, um yeah. yeah. But uh so we're in orbit over the planet. 
we've just had this whole rundown that strongly implies that this guy is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and Uhura is at her communication station saying she's gone through all the frequencies. We're not getting anything. And then suddenly Dr. Roger Corby is reaching out to the enterprise and coming through strong and, uh, and everybody's like, woo. And, mm-hmm. um, and uh, nurse chapel visibly, uh, you know, is, is excited. She, yeah. 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 No, it's good. She's like, hey, he's alive. Look, everybody, you know. But then right. we get this amazing close up on Kirk's face. Yeah. <laughs> it goes a little bit dark, and we yep. use like this lighting technique that they seem to be very fond of, where you just highlight the eyes. Like, it's great. You know, I love it. <laughs> like inverse Cyclops goggles. And she's yeah. like, not, not quite happy, but maybe surprised. a little bit more distressed. Um, but yeah, he's just shocked. Shock. And then cue to the title song and title card. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so much. Um, um, yeah, so we're opening on a signal from Exo 3, which is where nice. Roger Corby and his crew were known to be last. And the last they'd heard from them was that him and his crew found a series of underground caves that they said were left by the former inhabitants of the planet. And so now they're in communication with Corby, who's being heard from for the first time in five years. And Kirk's like, yeah, we'll come down with a, we'll beam down with a landing party. But then Corby's like, actually, I have an unusual request. Can you just like come down to Lonesies? Uh, we need to make an important decision. <laughs> you yeah. have to do that. Hey, we have a lot to discuss. We just want you to come. And Spock is like, that's an unusual request. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, his Vulcan senses are tingling as they should yeah. be. The and, only one who's on to yeah. the fact that this is not maybe ideal at this point. Yeah. Um, and Spock even says like to Nurse Chapel, do you recognize mm-hmm. um, the voice? Are you sure? Are we sure that it's Roger? And this is when Nurse Chapel is like, have you ever been engaged? And mm-hmm. that, um, you know, shuts Spock up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Of course it's him. Like, I know him. Know these. He yeah. my Roger. He my boo. Yeah, he my boo, he's my bang, he my bang. Yeah. Um, and Kirk's like, yeah, okay, this is pretty freaking weird, but okay, I'll come down. But it's going to be two of us because, hey, your fiancé is on board with me. And Roger's like, oh, I can't believe it. I didn't even, had no hope. Awesome, bring her down. <laughs> um, yeah, so. But also, th- I wanted to highlight here. Yes. She's like, Spock, have you have you ever been engaged? engaged? But also, we watched an episode not too long ago where, you know, inhibitions lowered. lowered. Nurse and is she into was Spock. Like, she's You're touching my his face. face. You're my and other she's, she's still engaged to this man at this point because it's been yeah. five years, right? So it yeah. sounds like straight out of school, essentially. Yeah. But she's coming all over Spock, which no power to her. Like, you're not, yeah. you know, monogamy celibate or, yeah. you know, no, totally. like restrained from any emotional engagement but to like give spock shit when not too long ago you were all i can really say because it was pretty pg was touching his face real hard like lots of touching let's not be a little bit hypocritically (laughs) yeah to to be fair um we do know that these episodes uh were filmed and like written filmed and released um in yeah, out of order essentially like i think the first episode that they wrote wasn't the first one that they aired they've they've picked and chosen so i kind of wonder if 
this episode was actually supposed to predate or was written before the episode in which she's touching his face. Like maybe there's some sort of I'm not like, willing to make this concession. <laughs> writing room they continuity doesn't apply. Yeah, I, I don't like it because this okay. is how it aired. Okay. Fair. I yep. matter more than anyone else as an audience member. You need to cater to like my continuity needs. I have no sympathy for you as a writer. Get your shit together. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so retraction. Um, <laughs> Nurse Chapel. Uh, that's a hefty amount of hypocrisy, and yeah. we don't really appreciate that. So yeah. do not uh, support. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. No. Stow it. Yeah. Um, also, like maybe preemptive. Maybe we can talk about it later as well. It's also really interesting because because this episode is about androids and humans and what makes humans humans and feeling and emotion and being motivated by emotion, blah, blah, blah. This would have been a really great episode to have more Spock Spock talking. But they chose not to for some reason. It was like very Kirk focused. And actually, like I was reading um, Wikipedia and one of the reviews that they mention on there actually mentions that Kirk's not that interesting on his own. Like you do need him to be playing off other characters. And so it would have been nice to have more McCoy and more... Um, Spock in this episode, and I totally totally agree, and to take it one step further, it would be very, very interesting to have Spock interplay with the androids, because it was like, the word logic comes up really often, which is, you know, Spock's domain, and could have been really interesting to, like, because, again, our perception of space cowboys and moral quandaries being the formula for these episodes, like, to make the moral quandary about logic versus illogicality yeah. emotion versus logic and then yep. logic in the form of like living being which yeah. Spock yeah. is versus android Droids. which we're led to believe like as alive as they are they're still not quite alive enough to be considered yeah. like equivalent to a, a truly living being yeah truly alive living being mm-hmm. so wasted opportunity and or maybe like a little shallow without that exploration yeah Yeah. i agree um it's a good good observation yeah Um, so yeah they're beaming down beaming down onto a planet that looks really snowy and snowy and cold and there's nobody there to meet them they were expecting dr corby to be there nobody's there nurse chapel's a little put out and kirk Mm -hmm. is kind of like hmm this is weird yeah. um and, and so into the caves when they first beamed down and i was like oh this looks cold yeah and she's just wearing a dress and some yeah. tights like she's gonna be Maybe. cold and then you see that they're in a cave and then the Maybe I'm just like conditioned now from you know my eight seven eight episodes yeah. of watching the show, but I saw the the glass. I'm like, yes, oh, in the background. Yeah. The <laughs> <laughs> I know. This is, I was this like, like shit, good. they're in a tank. They're in a tank already. This is yeah yeah yeah. They're in a zoo. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, I think it's just a window onto mm-hmm. the outside world mm-hmm. and it's a balmy, comfortable mm-hmm. temperature inside. <laughs> Based on how Lady Android is dressed, it's got to be comfortable in there. Otherwise, yeah. her nips oh. would be poking out the whole time, which I they, mean, they are. They are kind of poking out a little not, bit. <laughs> not, I, think that's, I think that's the tailoring. I think that's yeah. like your whatever the, the tailoring. Yeah, are, there you go. That's the word I was thinking of. Her booby I, darts are pretty I don't pretty think that's pointy. just nips. I no, I think yeah, I think you're right. They're they're drawing attention to her nipples, but they aren't actually her nipples. Yeah, um, but if they were colder, you wouldn't need the darts. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but uh, so Kirk's like trying to reassure Nurse Chapel, like it's okay. Like the caverns are pretty deep. It might have taken him longer than he planned to get here, mm-hmm. but he's still kind of suspicious. So he beams up, or he uh, he asks Spock to beam down two security peeps. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, they come down and they are in red shirts. <laughs> um, so we all know how that's going to end at this point. Although we haven't really seen it too much in episodes yet, but uh, you know yeah, the joke. See, I so. didn't know, but like I think you've been holding off on red shirt jokes and yeah i still haven't fully caught on to it but i guess they die (laughs) yeah like well by the end of this series i hope it will be very clear to you this season at least that um wearing red shirts while beeping down to planets is a really bad idea right um but uh, so kirk says hey you know i can't even remember their names because they don't last that long but one of them you stay here matthews you're with us and they start uh, descending some stairs into the caverns um nurse chapel nearly slips and that's kind of scary but you know they hold hands and and make their way down and then um there's a a floodlight up ahead and they can't see anything because it's so bright and then a humanoid shape obscures the light and uh you still can't see what they're looking at (laughs) but finally the the light um changes so now that the the human figure off in the distance is front lit um and it turns out that it is a dr brown who Mm -hmm. is dr corby's assistant and Mm -hmm. who nurse chapel refers to as brownie Brownie. yes (laughs) Yes. um Um, which i would like to point out that like i this guy has a doctorate he's a doctor but he's the assistant i'm like oh yeah. that does yeah. i feel i feel a little triggered i'm not gonna lie yeah, but think about <laughs> it this way think about it this way you always have you know the the leader person and yes. his his next in command is still reporting to him maybe assistant isn't the right word uh, yes but, i'm feeling but, strongly triggered by the worst word of assistant the hierarchy of the research team is not really in question here in my mind it's the term of assistant yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) all right (laughs) some strong feelings there (laughs) assistant researcher i think i could feel a little bit about better about but anyway this person has a doctorate (laughs) yeah so i'm okay with it (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) it's okay like a PhD doesn't mean a lot, really, if you think about it. And we're not we're not uh, told whether this is a medical degree or a doctor of philosophy. So. I suppose I'm yeah. still. I will just say upfront that I did not do a PhD to be called an assistant. <laughs> but without... you weren't. So I know. <laughs> I know. I'm just. I'm feeling triggered on behalf of Doctor. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like you know you and I have spoken enough about some colleagues of yours whose PhDs may not be as like substance yes i know i know yes i agree i agree that like the phd is over exalted in in many instances but at least call me something other than an assistant an assistant researcher i do yes it still has assistant in it i know but at least i'm like a researcher as well this just implies assistant everything maybe you're more qualified than just an assistant researcher researcher you're an assistant everything oh i know yes i know i'm (laughs) i'm trying okay i'm trying really hard to like just like work and i can't well i'll work on it okay this is an area (laughs) that i still need to grow in I will do my best to try and grow. But anyway, he's here, um, but he's kind of wiggity-whack. There's something a little off about him. And while we're looking at him, Spock or Kirk has his um, phaser out, which literally looks kind of like his communicator being held backwards. It's a cell phone. 
Yeah, like it doesn't look like the whole pistol type thing, which is why or a TV remote. Yeah, a TV remote. I was like, are you trying to open a garage or something? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, we're distracted by Dr. Brown, who Chapel is referring to as Brownie, when we hear a noise behind us. And it turns out that uh, the red shirt that accompanied them down the stairs has slipped and fallen into mm-hmm. the depths which would be alarming enough, except that we also see a super creepy guy in a big robe with like lots of gray kind of purpley face paint looking like an alien skulking away. <laughs> yeah, um, he was quite the character. He reminded me of that cartoon, The Mask, like the yes, Jim Carrey cartoon. Totally. Looks very much like him, like yeah. so intense contouring with purples and an ice blue face. Yeah. And he just kind of skulks off and his, yeah. his attire is pretty remarkable. Like it's yeah. a lot of stiff collar and mm. tapes and swooshes yeah, and a bit of ruffles yeah of- and he definitely pushed the red shirt down yeah, like the there's no way he didn't and at yeah. this point um because of the way brown reacts to the whole situation like brown's probably evil too but you know that's just us sort of acting on our hunches a little bit of course this is going to play out but yeah he doesn't seem super concerned about yeah the fact that this person has fallen down into a hole and is basically telling them there's no point trying to like save him he done he dead. he's dead the hole yeah. is bottomless yeah. it's terribly unfortunate but he's not like you know his affect is definitely yeah. off yeah and um yeah. and that that seems really suspicious yeah. and then um he I doesn't really to even... highlight here so, that yeah, go ahead. when they were coming down um, yeah. We got a lot of like close-ups and slow development and just like watching yeah. them walk for a bit and their faces yeah. are pretty expressionless for a while. We pan between, you know, all three of them a little bit once at a time and they're doing nothing. They're doing nothing yeah. of interest. They're not even really walking into new environments. There's nothing yeah. for us to be watching, but it keeps going. There's a yeah. whole lot of nothing for a little bit and then they fall and then it's like back to just nothing <laughs> yeah and uh I'm not sure what the purpose of that was was it to build tension was it to alarm it, you when something happens, happens out of nowhere yeah but i think that could have been accomplished equivalently effectively with just that appearance of that alien creature because yeah. that was like pretty stark and pretty striking yep without <laughs> the slow like meandering build the park build up to it yeah 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 i would say there wasn't a whole lot of build up or that the the scene of them descending into the caverns didn't mm-hmm. effectively convey tension and therefore when the red shirt falls and we don't actually see him fall it happens off camera mm-hmm. when he falls but when we see the presence of the creepy alien dude it's all like a lot of stuff is happening brownie mm-hmm. appears and then red shirt falls and then alien is there and then there's something off with brownie and it's like mm-hmm. ah, a lot is happening yeah, we had um, to pause so that we could, like, or at least yeah. I could write down my notes because so much happens in such quick succession. And I think that's really effective, definitely. And yeah. maybe you need this little build up to, like, make that as effective as yeah. it is. But it's a bit of a slap in the face when it does they happen. Have, they yeah. could have used half of the footage that they used yeah. to build the slow build up. Build up. Uh, yeah. So Richard falls and, you know, very inconvincingly, Brownie's like, oh, terribly oh, unfortunate. Yeah. Which, and, you know, uh, I don't think he thought it was. <laughs> and then he yeah. lets them know that Corby couldn't come. And, you know, he came instead of him. And initially, he doesn't seem to recognize uh, Christine Chapel. And she's like, but Brownie, it's me. And he's like, oh, Christine, it's you. But yeah. again, very unconvinced. 
um, or Kirk is unconvinced and he seems a little bit perplexed and worried and Brown reassures him that the security guy is very, very dead. And Kirk like communicates with the other guy who's been posted at the entrance. And that guy's like, yeah, it seems fine. Everything is pretty quiet there. But, you know, to us, we realize that this kind of gives away the location of the other dude. Yeah. The <laughs> creepy alien guy. And Kirk, in the meanwhile, is instructing him to contact the ship and just sort of be at the ready with security in case things go further wrong. Um, yeah, because things are off. But very much they, so. But Kirk and and um, Christine Chapel didn't see the alien guy. No. So at this point, they're just kind of like, "Huh, Brownie's kind of got some weird stuff going yeah, on there. His emotional response doesn't seem quite right." Mm-hmm. But they don't really have any reason to suspect foul play with Redshirt's death. It's just that, like, he literally slipped, and that's wow, yeah. that's terrifying. I, mean, I think Kirk seems unconvinced though, because of how like vehement, yeah. not vehement, sorry, how like casual Brown is about the fact right. that he just fell and yeah. whatever it's a dangerous place i guess we just have to accept that risk like kirk doesn't seem super sold on everything's Brown's fine reassurance. And it was an yeah. yeah yeah like his his spidey instinct is like not okay yeah. and you know he does feel the need to have additional security yeah. prepared but yeah and the meanwhile the creepy alien creature person attacks the other guy and yeah he's pretty much guaranteed that at this point yeah again we and, don't see the death but it is strongly implied that he yeah, did he yeah very much it. so and at this point we're reminded again that christine was a student of corby's and <laughs> my notes here it just says ew yeah <laughs> and then um in in their walk to sort of the central area wherever they're living uh brown indicates to them that this whole space is an uh, uh, sort of like a living, breathing testament to the work that Corby was already building towards in his career prior to his disappearance. And essentially about how the planet was like the perfect sort of tie-in to the kinds of things that Corby was interested in because the inhabitants of the planet replaced, and this is almost a direct quote, I don't remember the exact words, but how mm-hmm. the inhabitants of the planet apparently replaced freedom with a mechanistic system so we weren't super sure what this no. means it becomes abundantly clear yeah but, but it's in that ambiguous moment, at this yeah, point yeah in that moment like i don't understand what or it wasn't evident to me what how these are equivalents that can replace each other like yeah. what does a mechanistic <laughs> what does that mean? do with freedom yeah. like yeah. how is a crane going to replace you know a person essentially yeah right um, but yeah so he says that it's a little bit ominous but it's kind of also just sort of set in passing so i don't think like we caught on to the fact that it, we weren't super sure what it meant but it wasn't again maybe the source of concern or maybe the source of why kirk suspects something's not up at right. this point but uh they enter a room and then so does a lady and this is andrea who we briefly may have referred to earlier and she's very provocatively dressed um she in, like, doesn't seem super comfortable yeah she's in to try and describe the outfit it's like overalls except instead of having the sort of flap from the waist up to cover the chest and then straps that cross at the back these are more like really wide straps that cross at the front and then attach like suspenders in the so back it's, it's like a it's like a halter top jump yeah and and it yeah. covers her her breasts obviously mm-hmm. but they've inserted darts into it to fit them and the darts are pointy and the pointy ends and like right over her nipples so you're just kind of like drawn into her breasts like right away <laughs> yeah and i saw in a note on wikipedia as well so the actress who played the android woman andrea 
said they had a censorship person on the set to make sure that her costume fully covered her breasts and side cleavage was not not visible. She also said of William Shatner that when he kissed me on screen, he really kissed me. <laughs> and that Shatner's chest had to be shaved for his nude scenes in the Android machine because Gene Roddenberry felt that Captain Kirk wouldn't be hairy. <laughs> I'm... <laughs> I love to... I love this so we've much. Seen, we've seen Kirk without a shirt on before. Is he I can't remember now. If I don't think he's exceptionally hairy. I don't think no. he's completely hairless from what I know. Exactly. Um, yeah, I'm thinking in Charlie X, he doesn't have a shirt on. And I feel like there is some chest hair there. Yeah, um, but not a lot. Not an untasteful. No, though. right. Yeah. Um, man, I don't know. Like it's because <laughs> he I have an explanation. It's okay. because in this Android machine, we're jumping ahead of but whatever. Yeah, okay. Um, in this Android making machine, you spin really fast and hair yeah. would cause drag. Yes. So to be aerodynamic. Fair. He had yep. to shave his chest. That makes That's sense. Why. Totally. Okay. That's great. Logical. Yeah. Thank this you. Physics. Yeah. yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> it, it totally clears it up. Basic physics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Andrea, who has boobies, but we can't see the side boob, um, comes in. Censorship person looking out for her. The censorship person, I have to say, did a pretty good job yeah. in that sense because we yeah. did not see any side boob. Mm-hmm. So she comes in and she knows about Christine. Like she's obviously heard about her from either Brownie or the as yet unseen Dr. Corby. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she turns to Kirk and she's like, oh, you're Kirk, um, uh, Captain Kirk of the Starship Enterprise. Um, and so, you know, she's 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 made an entrance mm-hmm. um and i think it's distracting everybody and you can kind of pick up from uh nurse chapel that she's a little bit like huh who are you i've um, never heard about an andrea exactly well, you haven't heard from him in four years in why five would years. you have heard about oh, five days but why yeah. would you have heard about andrea like yeah geez nurse yeah calm down um and then roger corby enters and they look at each other and then they like swoop in for some full-on face vacuuming mm-hmm. um it's, it's pretty so, such love such affection it's, it's a lot it's mm-hmm. it's definitely a lot they clearly um, love each other they clearly love each other a lot lots of <laughs> going on mm-hmm. um and when they break i was kind of looking like did nurse chapel's lipstick get smeared all over <laughs> dr corby because it should have mm-hmm. um given the intensity of mm-hmm. their embrace however maybe she's wearing space makeup which is less prone to smearing or maybe she's going au natural she has no makeup true she's beautiful she, that's own. right she may just have very red pink ish lips anyway they're kissing and then Corby introduces himself to Kirk and Kirk's like, yeah, yeah, I know who you are. <laughs> By the way, um, I need to contact the ship because things are kind of wiggity whack. And I told them that I check in and Corby's like, yeah. no, 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 bro. Like we need to talk first before yeah. we talk to anybody. And Kirk's like, uh, no, thank you. No. Like I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to call this ship. And then Brown pulls a weapon and things escalate from there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, <laughs> very um, much so yeah I'm trying to, it's it's a bit of a chaotic thing so i'm trying to remember exactly how it goes down um but basically corby tells andrea go in there and get kirk's weapon his little um garage door opener <laughs> and uh and andrea kind of goes in it's funny because um she reaches in to grab it but it almost looks like she's trying to rip his shirt up over his belly um which was kind of confusing for a split second i'm like wait what's happening but no he was just <laughs> She was just ripping the garage door opener out of Kirk's 
belt, mm-hmm. but then Kirk manages to sort of grasp her and, and use her as a human shield and get the, the garage door opener back. Um, and then he pushes her out of the way and does a fantastic sort of barrel roll to take cover behind a table. It's a thing mm-hmm. of beauty, as usual. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he ends up shooting Brown in the chest. And Brown falls down, falls back, and we cut to a close-up shot of Brown. And uh, he's made of wires and circuit boards Ooh. inside. Da, da, da. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah, or like fishing wire. And then, of course, the the mask, ice blue alien dude creature enters the room and he's part of everything. And Mm. he's gigantic. And he basically lifts Kirk up with one hand, pins him to the wall and basically holds him there as Roger reminds them that there are things to be discussed. And basically at this point, Roger introduces us to this alien creature who doesn't turn out to be an alien at all. Um, And his name is Ruck. And Ruck apparently is a really good uh, mimicker. He's great at, you know, impersonating voices. And so at this point he imitates Kirk's voice and calls Spock and essentially like, Um, tries to tell him that everything's fine and they're okay and um, Spock's like "Ah, are you sure you're okay something wrong Spock's Spock's spidey senses are going off but Rock insists that everything's actually fine and essentially like I'll see you later and hangs up and then at that point Rock's like well not Rock sorry Roger's like you know my reputation you can trust me Kirk it's all good (laughs) and Kirk's like nah you're a little suspicious now and like especially like this isn't increasing my trust in you yeah Um, right especially with Ruck like mimicking everyone's voices and for whatever reason this becomes an opportunity for Roger to show off Ruck's mimic skills yeah and he just goes through like a cycle of imitating everyone's voices and it's a little bit awkward it's like you know I don't know if this is common but At least when I was younger, it used to be a thing where if you were having like dinner parties with your parents and their friends, if there was a kid that was good at something or talented at something, he would just like perform. And so this very much reminded me of that that. (laughs) because Ruck has a skill and all the other parents need to clap for him. Totally. Um, Um, Yeah. So Ruck, without difficulty, is able to mimic a bunch of voices, and I I don't remember Kirk being super impressed by this, but essentially, um, we find out that Ruck is an android as well, and he has a machine mind, and he's essentially programmed to protect Corby's experiments, and I guess he's actually a remnant of the previous inhabitants of the planet, and is in fact the inspiration for the other androids that were built by Corby. So and he was able to learn Andrea. that yeah, yeah he was able to learn the technology and then build brown and andrea as android assistants yeah. and um uh corby used the records he found on the planet and rock's leftover knowledge to do all of this and as he's explaining this you know he's basically trying to appeal to kirk as like isn't this cool? Isn't this exciting? This Don't yeah. you want to make this a bigger thing? Like roll it out to the whole universe, essentially. And Kirk's kind of playing along, but he's also like, do I need to be a prisoner for this process? Yeah, and right. Like you kind Roger, of alienated me there. Yeah, you're like yeah. attacking me. You're holding me hostage. Like, why would I be sympathetic to your cause at this moment? Totally. And Roger tries to appeal to him almost as if they're bonding over their dislike of 
bureaucracy and puny humans and their distrust of novelty. And he's like, mm. many discoveries are lost because of superstitions and misunderstandings and like fear essentially right and how if kirk were to be returned to his ship the first thing he would do is create a report report. and report back and so he says that you know he doesn't want this opportunity to be lost to those essentially bureaucratic steps and so people to the lay people yeah like they wouldn't understand i'm special i'm powerful i'm really yeah. smart i'm respectable you seem smart i feel like you would understand where i'm coming yeah. from and kirk at this point actually he does a pretty good job of like you can see he's upset you can see he's tense but he's not yeah. like exploding with anger or anything right. so he's kind of playing along playing the field a little bit yeah um but yeah at this point also you can uh hear corby instructing rock to never mimic hurt or disobey christine because of whatever you know affections he has for christine and i'm impressed that rock does take orders from corby but you know he seems to more or less agree it's not like an enthusiastic agreement or him coming in line but he seems to agree to follow whatever orders corby is giving him and corby at this time also instructs Andrea not to call him Roger because it upsets Christine because Christine's still being you know jealous about the whole situation and at this point it's revealed to us because we actually didn't know prior to this that Andrea is an android and you know Roger is like taking a great amount of pride in showing everyone how he's in you know the skin tone is exactly like a real person she has a pulse pulse. her flesh is warm she feels sensation and Christine's like Oh, she's like a mechanical, mechanical geisha. geisha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Roger's like, yeah, she's incapable of that. There's no emotional bond, which, bro, that doesn't mean you can't have sex with her. Right. Um, totally. I'm just like, yeah. this is just a super complicated sex doll. Yeah. You're not, vibe. you're not uh, assuaging anyone's fears, assuaging no. anyone's fears because, like, she's still a very lifelike yeah. person female person right so like she's responding to your orders if anything there's like a weird sexual power dynamic there potentially that you know you seem to already have a pattern for considering who you're engaged to so i'm sure you had needs that were met like let's not let's not Um, yeah yeah let's not pretend that we're too we're above this but anyways like there's no emotional response she just responds to orders she's logical she's not a woman she's a mechanical thing but Kirk's like, well, if she had no feelings, why, if she's not angry, like, why did she try and kill or hurt Kirk? Or why are any of them trying yeah. to basically, like, do these things that you imagine stem from emotion? And Roger's right. like, yeah. patience, I will answer all your questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we cut to, like, one of the weirder, I mean, there's a number of weird scenes in this episode, but I think this one sort of takes the cake of, mm-hmm. of weirdness. I loved it. I thought it was a fantastic um, sequence yeah. of events. <laughs> <laughs> um, it cuts to uh, Rook putting a giant sort of foamy paper mache type body, so there's no um, distinguishing characteristics, it's just human shaped, onto like a table and slapping down a lever over um, sort of the the pelvic region of this thing. Um, and then we kind of, you know, pull back a bit and we see that it's actually a circular table and this dummy mm-hmm. has been laid down on one half of the circular table. And Kirk, who now no longer has any clothes, has been laid down on the other half of the table with a conveniently placed little cover over his pelvic region. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna make an android. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
so using you seem him to need as a template. <laughs> yeah, so you need seem to need both this like paper mache essentially skeleton Body, or yeah. model to implant onto and then the live inspiration so kirk is the live person in this demo yeah and yeah like you mentioned he's pretty naked but as the disc spins it's not a very tight fit so you can kind of see under the cover in his like pubic area and he's probably wearing like nude boxers or something yeah you can see them it's like a ken ken penis essentially yeah penis yeah um Um, and like as much as i enjoy um a bit of exposed kirk shoulder this just felt like too much like super gratuitous (laughs) i was okay with it i didn't have an issue with it yeah didn't really didn't really get into it but anyway (laughs) i think it makes i think it makes sense because you know it would just hinder with the android generation process yeah within the logic of creating an android from a template this makes sense but i'm also just like why are they spinning because in order to complete the process and you know flesh out this template so it looks like kirk and and speaks like kirk they have to spin the table and it's like it i literally started feeling nauseous a bit as the scene goes by because it's like it's too much spinning it's too much i can't even handle it (laughs) i wasn't bothered by the spinning and i found it interesting that they're basically trying to explain or they're basically trying to use like a mechanical motion to somehow yeah. explain, like, you know, you've got Andrea at the control panel and she's pressing yeah. what looks genuinely like Fisher Price buttons, like totally. toys with big red, yellow primary color buttons that look like they're made out of shiny plastic. Yeah. Like you would expect cows to start mooing when you press that button. It looks totally. 100% like a toy, right? So she's pressing stuff and she presses different colored buttons and all it seems to do, honestly, in what we can see is just make the thing spin faster. Yeah. You're not really seeing any like bolts of electricity. You're not no. seeing any lightning. You're not hearing any clunky sounds. It just spins yeah. faster and faster and faster. And it's like basically um, like an amusement park ride with no brakes and no like <laughs> control system. And it just keeps going. Yeah. And at some point it's almost like, like I almost think of old fashioned not old-fashioned, but, like, special effects in the before times, before CGI and all yeah. that fun stuff. And I feel like these were the kinds of transitions that were yes, common. totally. were used effectively for what yeah. resources were available. So it was basically, the spinning is both, you know, this marvel of a technique that Corby's perfected, but also just a special effect oh, right. from, <laughs> yeah. you know, old sci-fi. And voila, you have two naked Kirks on the table. And this is also extremely reminiscent of the other episode that I think we watched either just before this or two episodes before this where you have an imposter the enemy within yes because the android Kirk essentially like I think Kirk only knows how to play one other version of himself like you have William Shatner so you have like standard Kirk who's like charming and a bit of a sparkle in his eye and like you know I'm the boss. I know everything. I'm super smart. And then his other version is always going to be someone who has a little bit of like a, a lusty evil look in his eye. (laughs) And that's his defining alter ego personality trope that William Shatner plays. Cause that's exactly what you get in Android who Corby reminds us is supposed to be basically indistinguishable from the human, right? He's supposed to have the same memories, same mannerisms, same emotions, same everything. But for whatever reason, I guess for the audience's benefit, you do need to be able to distinguish between the two to some yep. extent. And the and the way that Kirk does this is with his like eye lined, you know, 
I, I'm on to you. I'm going to come yeah, on to you too totally. in a second. Just wait for my pickup line kind of facial expression. Yeah. Um, which is particularly creepy. And I guess at this point, the, the upper body nudity seems particularly gratuitous. Like in that context, him yeah. giving you that look is look. like, uh, <laughs> less of an android, more of a pervert. <laughs> yeah, a little, little too predatory. Yeah, um, just a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but. spinning's faster and rook and i also made note of the fact that the controls need to be manned by both rook and andrea not one of them because like as big as those buttons are it's a complicated process it's yeah totally yeah it's not even human infallibility you need two androids Androids. to man this system and make this stuff happen totally yeah i don't know if they're just sort of like trying to create jobs for themselves so they get paid at the end of the month or if it actually (laughs) is like how many androids does it take to make an android at least two two um right so we get through our first round of spinny weeny um hippy dippy stuff and then uh corby is explaining to um christine that not only does this android now um look like kirk but it sounds like kirk um but we can also um transfer the memories Mm -hmm. through a next round of spinning and um kirk hears this and uh, spikes the process by saying, or like shouting really loudly, you know, that he's sick of Spock and keep his half-breed thoughts to himself. So very, a very bigoted um, Mm -hmm. comment. And I think by this point in the series, we as an audience know that this is very out of character, Mm -hmm. um, that Kirk would never say this kind of thing to Spock. And so it's pretty obvious that he's just trying to Sabotage. Um, sabotage it and, and make it very clear that um, if Spock in particular encounters this android, um, he'll know right away mm-hmm, that something's mm-hmm. up. Um, yeah, so he's implanting these fake mannerisms to try and distinguish himself from this android that's designed to be indistinguishable. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess sometimes you got to give Kirk the credit. He yeah, is pretty smart. He's, like, he's he thinks on his feet or yeah, on yeah. a spinny yeah. table. Um, when the circumstances yeah. demand it. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, he sabotages it. And uh, and then we we don't really see the end of the process um, other than like we get a creepy smirk from I actually missed, Yeah, I was actually, I completely forgot that a second spin was required. I thought that was just yeah. the one spin. And because no. what's his face, Corby was saying that, you know, it's possible to take it further and like yeah there's already a synaptic fusion apparently i thought this had already happened no there's a brief pause in the middle to show off that the android kirk looks exactly Uh, like the real kirk and then it's like we can go a bit further and and do the synaptic fusion yeah um and and during this process uh i think it's here corby explains that you can actually take it a step further and no that's later Oh, is it? Okay. Okay. Yeah, well, I won't yeah. blow it then. Yeah. Um, so we, we have the, the creation of Android Kirk with his um, bigoted opinions being implanted. Um, and then it cuts to, to Christine, mm-hmm. who's back in sort of the living area. And Andrea is setting the table and puts some food down and says, you know, you should eat kind of thing. Um, it's and space food. It's not. It's space food. food. I mean, it literally looks like Play-Doh. Is, um, yeah. And Andrea says, "You know, I've been programmed to please you mm-hmm. too." And it's and like you know, it's a mm-hmm. pleasing part of the whole. Blah, blah, blah. It's um, a recurring theme, also. Like I feel yeah. like there's specific sort of 
preferences that lay in the people who write these plots for the show and space for whatever reason is basically just another backdrop for the same sorts of like power dynamic type expressions of relationships that you know you would expect from shows of that time maybe or just shows in general that are written by a certain subset like I think yeah. professions can be pretty self-selecting, right? Yeah, for types totally. of personality. So I imagine writers who write for sci-fi, especially in a phase where this genre is being established, did select for a certain kind of not just person, but man who probably, you know, has a certain <laughs> white man, probably, let's yeah. say. Yeah. Um, and I'd be curious to like... I don't know, maybe retroactively analyze who wrote what episodes and if the themes are like linked to specific writers or if it's just sort of like overarchingly something that was a preferred type of content to include in these episodes. Because like, I know Star Wars is not exactly the same time, but I consider it a similar sort of era of sci-fi for audiences. And, you know, you have like this iconic Slave Leia scene as well. It's not quite the same degree of explicitness here. But, but it's a similar theme. Right. Like it's it's still sort of the subservient woman. You've just dressed it up in a slightly different way. The aesthetic's different, but there's still that undertone. Um, yeah. 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 I like it's kind of it it always strikes me with when we encounter this stuff in Star Trek and other science fiction. Um I guess because, you know, science fiction is, it's so speculative. It's, it's an opportunity to really like go, go all over the place and explore social Mm -hmm. issues. And from a perspective of, you know, advanced technology or, um, you know, alternate futures or whatever. Um, And yet you see the reproduction of these um, like gender relationships or power dynamics um, in so much science fiction that's written, <laughs> mm-hmm. often predominantly by men, mm-hmm. um, whereas conversely, um, I came across uh, some science fiction written by a woman who was also a linguist um, by training, and and she made the argument, this was back in the 70s, that like, you know, women authors, we should be embracing science fiction, because this is a perfect opportunity for us to Change. explore Change. and yeah. advocate advocate and and you know do thought experiments around feminism mm-hmm. and yet i don't really feel like that sort of feminist science fiction um has you know been so dominant in the the public but i think that depends or, on which you know, medium you're looking at right like true, i feel like right. there's a lot more female sci-fi authors that yes. I can think of but right. maybe not quite like your mainstream television pop, pop culture yeah. like, avenue film and, and mm-hmm. tv feels like it's very dominated by like male science fiction and it could just be because of like who I mean not to say that women aren't into sci-fi but historically maybe the bulk of the target audience happened to be made up right. by males it's been so marketed it's, towards men exactly so maybe there's just also another sort of self-selection bias happening yeah. there because of like who you can relate to or whose content appeals to you in certain maybe unconscious subconscious ways but no it is it is so true that like sci-fi and space and you know this kind of fiction is such a an interesting opportunity to explore these kinds of things and there are some very solid books that I've been you know recommended um 
from olden times, mm-hmm. from olden times, but basically <laughs> like, you know, in the infancy of the genre. And uh, it doesn't seem to have like pervaded mainstream television or movies yeah. in the same way at yeah. all. Yeah. yeah. Even though it could so easily be like someone I'm thinking of who I'm sure you've heard of is Ursula Le Guin. Yeah. Um, she writes incredible sci-fi, right? Yeah. Like, And it's very thought provoking and it's very, at least when I started, I haven't read a lot, but like when I started reading the very first book that I read by her, it was difficult for me to read it because it was just so out there or mm-hmm. like required me to rewire how I was thinking to a degree that I wasn't accustomed to as a reader of primarily just like basic fiction like mm-hmm. about eat feelings and emotions. <laughs> um, so it took some getting used to, but it's pretty like mind bending in an yeah. incredible kind of way. Um, yeah. So all that to say that <laughs> her saying she was programmed to please, to please Christine too, really great as like an equal opportunity, I guess, because she's pleasing a woman and not just yeah. a man, but just but this element of creating a subservient robot lady who's who, dressed so much more skimpily than any of the other androids on this episode doesn't sound great. <laughs> no, and especially like, you know, I think we are going to be encountering this more and more in the future anyways. Like, Andrea looks human. She very convincingly behaves as a human. And so you can repeat to yourself as much as you want, well, she's just a computer android. But I think for a lot of us in the audience, it's like, no, like, it. you can tell me she's a computer all you want, but the knee-jerk reaction or the default position is going to be, mm-hmm. I'm going to treat her as if she is really human because she is so convincing. Yeah, um, and like... I think later on, some of her mannerisms start to almost blur that line of not yeah, being human totally. anymore. Yeah, And that's exactly. intended, but it's also not to, like, you know, belabor the same point over and over. It's also interesting that the female android is chosen for this yeah. particular exploration of how human is an android. Yeah. Especially when we get into how Kirk chooses to do so. Like, it's, yeah. a, little bit, <laughs> it's a little bit unpleasant. Like, I wasn't yeah. a huge fan of that particular nope. quick... Yeah. sort of diversion into a little bit of like an uh harassmenty situation yeah, that was those yeah um, yeah but anyway so back to lunch plato lunch and um kirk comes up and he's wearing his uniform again at this point and yep. uh he says you know he's on parole and him and the nurse are having lunch together to sort of get an opportunity to i guess reconnect and Andrew confirms yeah. this and kirk you know, they have a bunch of conversations about how unexpected the situation is, how they're not really mentally prepared for what's going on. And at one point, basically, it boils down to Kirk saying, if you had to obey an order from me that was basically against you know, the well-being of Roger, would you do it? And she's like, don't make me choose, essentially, yeah. is her answer. And then, you know, they are beginning to eat. And then the android reveals, I don't need to eat because I'm an android. And so yeah. you've been tricked. And that, you know, it, it's super quick. But holy yeah. crap, the implications of that are terrifying. Exactly. Um, because there's, there's like, no trust. Like, there's no, such an easy violation of trust in this situation. Totally. Easy violation of trust. We, as an audience, probably could suspect it. Like, I was definitely like, oh, is this, is this him? Is this the android? We're meant to suspect it. But, like, it's horrible because he, you know, asks her these really pointed questions. And I think she's honest with him. And then it turns mm-hmm. out that's not actually Kirk. That's the android. Yeah. So... Um, the real Kirk in a, a coverall comes in and he's quite hungry in there. Um, he's actually talking with his Android 
self and sort of testing him of like, you know, do you have my memories? Uh, who's Sam? That's your brother. He has a wife and three kids. They saw you off on this trip. Um, mm-hmm. It is scary that this android um, just knows everything. Just knows. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't know why Kirk does that questioning because, I mean, I feel like I don't know what it accomplishes this scene particularly. Like, we have been told, and I mm-hmm. guess if we don't choose to take that at face value, then it adds something here, but I don't really know that this was necessary. Yeah. Well, I, like, I think it, for the characters in this story itself, it might not really do much, but it definitely convinces us that, like, the stakes are high in the sense that if any, if this android makes it back to the Enterprise and anyone asks this android anything about Kirk, the android has the memories. Um, and so supposedly then should be very good at convincing everyone around it him that this is the real kirk um so i think maybe that's just it is to confirm that yeah this the the memory process really does work (laughs) um and there's a real threat here if this Mm -hmm. android does get back to the enterprise because it could very easily convince everybody that it is the real kirk actually something just occurred to me this seems contradictory because then shouldn't brown remember christine yeah um that's kind of weird um that Brown doesn't remember Christine. Was it just or... a I wonder, like, to be generous, um, if Brown was the first one that yeah. Corby made, then, you know, that could be part of it. Yeah. The other part is, like, we find out later that Corby was, like, at death's door mm-hmm. at one point prior to this episode. And so I kind of wondered, did Brown actually die? <laughs> And you're using a dead man's brain to make another one or like, you know, was Brown also in very severe condition by the time he was used as a template for an Android? Maybe. Um, That was kind of my thought. Well, I mean, he would have, he would have to have developed the technology he found from the old inhabitants and Mm -hmm. Ruck's memories because, you know, if Ruck's the last one alive or available or around, you can tell he's not being made in the image of humans. (laughs) Yeah. We don't know if he's being, <laughs> bless you. Sorry. We don't know if Ruck is, because Ruck is clearly not in, made in the image of the humans, but we yeah. don't know if Ruck was made in the image of the former inhabitants of the planet. Like they are kind yeah. of almost inconsequential to the plot in most ways. Yeah. But for um, Corby to like decide to make these androids in the image of human beings was mm-hmm. that instantaneous was that based on the you know understanding of the possibilities that ruck existing presents to him yeah was ruck actually responsible for some of those initial android formations because corby was so poorly in terms of health right. and so injured yeah. so then was this like a, a boo-boo on ruck's part yeah in the transfer of memories because it doesn't always like seem like that was of importance or yeah. a criteria that mattered for the older people who made yeah. Ruck and his yeah. kind, right? Like, because he doesn't seem to, in what we see of him, he seems to not have been meant to necessarily replace them, but yeah. to supplement them right. more than yeah. anything else. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, so they are at this lunch table and you know real kirk and android kirk are sitting there christina's there and corby etc all come in and roger basically is talking about how 
you know, just think about the possibilities of how much further we could take this Android technology and how essentially you can have, you know, right now we've got memories and action or memories and uh, personality traits and all of that being transferred over to the Android body. Let's sort of like take it one step further and, you know, meld the souls Mm -hmm. or whatever that means. I don't know how that like translates into scientific action like what further are you you've already you know (laughs) done a synaptic fusion what further are you transferring into the android yeah it literally like you know this is kind of like um like you've copied yourself the copy has all of your memories like it is you it sounds like you're just murdering the human yeah like um, is it just a replacement yeah Yeah. but like (laughs) why do you have to replace the template? Like, why do you have to murder the human template? Immortality yeah. doesn't have to necessarily mean only one clone can exist either. Yeah, right? totally. But anyway, so he says, he implies that there's something further that could be done. Like it hasn't been done yet, but you know, it could be done and yeah. essentially offer immortality because it would allow people to convert themselves into these androids in their entirety. And it almost sounds like you wouldn't have an original and a copy somehow the original becomes the copy and i'm not sure what that meant mechanically yeah yeah and he's talking about how this would uh potentially eliminate jealousy and greed and hate and disease and fear and whatever and of course like if you haven't guessed by now you know human beings are amazing because of their capacity to love based on the show as well (laughs) and kirk's like but what about love Love, and some other happy things yeah yeah Um, and roger's like yeah you know what they'll be happy they'll replace all these negative feelings with happiness it would be paradise and yeah. completely glosses over this love thing yeah he's very much like um you know obviously being an android is far superior to being yeah. human and yeah. kirk makes the argument you know like people are messy and that's not a bad thing yeah and um, that's what we love about ourselves that's because again, what makes like, us human yeah yeah and like nothing wrong with that it's pretty valid yeah but it's a pretty irritating recurring theme to me. In this I, yeah, show. a little bit. Can yeah. we move on from? Yeah, like, I'm like over it. Yes, yeah. we're human beings. We're amazing. We're flawed. We love ourselves. You know, like yeah, you know the misquoted Marilyn Monroe quote: "If you can't handle me at my worst, you don't deserve me at my <laughs> best." Sure, like I buy well, buy into yeah, all of that. Yeah. Great, you've convinced me. But can we like move on? Move on. That? Yeah, yeah. Can we not have your only? redeeming trait and or like reason to come out on top in every episode be the fact that you're a flawed human can it be more <laughs> than that next time i mean it feels a bit like i don't know some sort of like narcissistic circle jerk <laughs> a little bit it's like How you're making yourself feel better yeah, yeah you're like just trying to keep making yourself feel better about the fact that humans are flawed and like yeah. this would be one of those scenes where it could have been really interesting to have spock around like you were saying right, earlier, right? totally because this is, is the kind have. of shit spock is subjected to every all day the time. on that shit all the <laughs> freaking time you may have some thoughts about this about all of that yes yeah. like him and maybe a hundred percent vulcan character would be would just amazing be like, perspectives in this conversation yeah <laughs> um right but uh but we don't have spock we just have kirk yeah. so he takes uh he manages to untie some rope from the wicker chair that he's 
sitting in. And of course uh, he does. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he uses that. He, you know, he lunges and throws it around. Oh, by this point, the, the Android Kirk has left the room. Um, so it's Ooh. just real Kirk. And uh, he's like, okay, we're done with this philosophical conversation about uh, paradise. And he loops the rope around Roger's neck, takes him hostage. Um, and because Rook won't uh, jeopardize Roger, he won't attack him. Kirk manages to hustle his way over to the door, throws Roger at Rook and dashes into the caverns. But he doesn't know the caves very well. So his only solution is really to just hide. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to avoid Rook for as long as he can. Christine mm-hmm. is horrified and is like, you know, trying to help Roger, but is also like, this is cray cray, and mm-hmm. runs after Rook and said, you know, and is yelling, like, leave him be, don't hurt him, I order you not to harm Captain Kirk. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we cut back to Kirk who's hiding and uh, he's cornered. He, you know, it's, uh, it's not looking good. So he grabs a stalactite that's hanging from the ceiling and like rips it off because um, I guess lines... Yeah, limestone on this planet is um, is a bit more brittle than uh, than limestone found on our own planet, I guess. Um, so he's got this big ass piece of limestone, which is clearly just a piece of styrofoam that looks yeah. kind of like a dick um, with some <laughs> testicles at the bottom. Uh, <laughs> like <laughs> a warty dick, a very warty poxy type dick, um, and Rook. Uh, thinks that he's close to Kirk and so he starts impersonating Christine and says like you know it's Christine um, and he's calling to Kirk and uh, Kirk sort of tries to lure Rook over and says you know like oh Christine is that you and then attacks him with the giant styrofoam dick Um, Rook grabs the dick there's a scuffle in which they seem to be struggling over whose dick it is and then um, Kirk goes over the edge (laughs) of a ledge and uh, manages to catch himself so he's hanging from the edge of this cliff and there's a moment there where Rook seems to be struggling a bit with whether he's going to let Kirk die or obey Christine and rescue him and he ultimately does um, rescue Kirk uh, but there's enough hesitation there that it's kind of like, huh, like there's, there's there's something going on there. They aren't just, or at least he isn't just a programmed computer that does mm-hmm. whatever Roger yeah. or Christine say. There appears to be a bit of free will or some resistance to. Yeah. Um, well, the, I'm intrigued to know like what actually makes them responsive to specific people like right. what about corby made it so that ruck now feels compelled to obey him right and to some, to some degree and like yeah. what about roger's order for him to obey christine now compels him to do so as exactly well? right yeah because like he chooses not to obey roger's order to mimic not mimic christine but yeah. can't seem to get behind disobeying christine's order not to harm murder yeah so yeah it kind of, what are like, your boundaries a, what are your lines yeah. here yeah me? why so, yeah, it's like i was thinking so how did roger get like root uh permissions or <laughs> on um on rook and and why does christine have root permissions like no pseudo? we don't know there's just you just have to kind of accept that as like the state of existence on this sort of episode yeah um, but yeah, he helps him up and Kirk's not dead. And, you know, Android Kirk in the meanwhile has been beamed back onto Enterprise, which 
sure makes sense that it happened, but it's a little bit choppy for all the other details that we've been seeing. It would have been nice yeah. to see that progression of events. A little bit more. Um, Kirk marches out of the elevator and, you know, runs into Spock who follows him and he's basically looking for plans because um, the plan is to be in considerable cargo aboard off the planet and he wishes to share maps and plans and et cetera with Corby just to enable better planning of what's happening. And Spock tries to speak speak to him and basically asks like, what's going on, what's happening? And Kirk, Android Kirk, uh, draws on this one memory he has of um, the fake memory that real Kirk implanted in him prior to their, their synaptic fusion step and says, you know, he snaps at him and he's like, I'm sick of your half-breed interference, which is effective and convenient and a little bit, you know, almost like uh, deus ex machina-y because yeah. like, how does this one memory of Kirk snapping supersede everything that Kirk right. has as a history yeah. with Spock? Like, why is this what Android Kirk you know, remembers to yeah. first is it because it's the most recent does that have an yeah. implication on like is it considered basically a development of the history and relationship of kirk and spot right. where they may have been friendly for 99 percent of the memory <laughs> he's gotten from kirk but then for the one percent that's negative that sort of supersedes anything else he knows yeah. of him right but yeah, yeah he snaps at spock. it works yeah he snaps at spock and spock's suspicious and he picks up that something is up and He's, as soon as Android Kirk leaves and he beams back down to hang out with Corby, Spock um, indicates to security to beam down after him and basically take care of what's going on. Figure and, out what's going on, yeah. Yeah, and so we have Android Kirk uh, meet up with Corby and he shares plans with him and they, through whatever criteria that I missed, um, identify Midas 5 as an appropriate right. planet for them to basically let loose a bunch of androids to infiltrate yeah. the planet and now that i'm thinking about it actually maybe the whole like immortality thing does mean killing the originals like you were saying yeah. because how else would you make the androids like nobody's really going to willingly maybe there's going to be a lot of resistance to the androids being made and you need that human sort of template, um, template right yeah. and so how many people are going to consent to being spun around really fast so. right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to make an exact duplicate who has all your memories yeah like it just kind of reminds me of um what's that movie uh it's got hugh jackman in it and it's a magic trick but he's actually literally making copies of himself spoiler alert and murdering the copy by drowning it do you remember that it's like the prestige no movie. I think the prestige was Christian Bale. It came out around the same time. Anyway, it's awful, but it's like you're duplicating. If you made a copy of yourself, like which one is you? Yeah, which one's the original? Um, which one's the original? Which is kind of like what happens with the transporter and like you're like broken down and then made again. Um, did you just murder your original body? Oh, anyway. Too meta. Too meta. Um, but yeah, so that's the plan is um, Corby has figured out that Kirk isn't going to help him with his master plan of going to a new colony and um, inserting androids into society and getting them fully embedded. So he's just going to do it himself. They're going to go to minus five. It's got lots of resources. Um, and uh, if we're not, this is, this is going to be a fantastic plan. Meanwhile, Kirk, who was rescued by Rook in the caverns, has now been put in a cell. And Andrea comes to bring Kirk food. And um, she turns to leave and, and he says, no, wait. And she or he asks her to kiss him. And she does. It's just like a peck on the lips. Um, and then he goes in and like. But she gets ready to slap him right after. Oh, right. Was the yes. demo earlier where. Yes. <coughs> 
<laughs> oh. Um, earlier, when Corby's trying to demonstrate that they're not human, he gets Andrea to kiss Kirk, but then immediately after gets her to slap him to indicate somehow that this means that she has no emotional feelings for him. him. Yeah, which is like, um, okay. Yeah, I think like anybody in a position where they're uncomfortable for their safety and following orders would have done the same. But anyway, yeah. um, so she has a memory of that being their last interaction. And so when Kirk asks her to kiss him, she basically like winds up to smack him and he stops <laughs> her, which I thought was a cute touch. I like. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. Because the and rest of the scene is massively it's uncomfortable. Not. It's awful. Um, he he uh, stops her from slapping him and then he goes in for like some heavy smooching and like embraces her and like um, really pulls her in close and it's a pretty hard kiss and it's like oh it, like it's too much she's obviously not into it because she pushes away and says no kind of like not you um Mm-hmm. She seems it, uncomfortable, which seems again, uncomfortable. Like goes body language, this android thing. Yeah. So body language says she's uncomfortable, and then she pushes away and says no. Um, and that definitely, yeah, contributes to this idea that we're generating that you know they aren't just computers. She and Rook and, and Brownie, like there is um, some some degree of resistance to the commands mm-hmm. that they receive, at least. Um, yeah. And it's so, not clear exactly. Yeah what he's trying to accomplish but it yeah. almost seems like he's either forcing her to feel emotion testing either her boundaries or her ability to hide emotion yeah essentially like she's faking not having emotion or it's like suppressed within her yeah and it is it is i guess an interesting theory to test maybe not in this way because yeah. like if you mm. are you know completely transferring over somebody's memories like how do you draw how do you set up this gate to prevent the emotions yeah totally from transferring over is it like the difference between i guess a tape recorder regurgitating everything that's learned Mm -hmm. and creating new thought which i guess emotion could qualify as new thought um and if that's the case then is the fact that she is uncomfortable or the fact that rook shows some amount of humanity at some point an indication of like ai that's alive and free thinking and i don't know i don't know know. it's weird it's weird i guess like kirk is just convincing himself that there's more than just like computer ishness in these androids i don't know it's weird Mm -hmm. um but uh he you know he asks andrea andrea like what's wrong um you know and she's kind of like not you and uh she leaves and he goes to follow her and rook is right there um and pushes him back into the bed um and then kirk starts sort of uh like interrogating him a bit and saying like what happened to the old inhabitants um you know what's like what really happened how do you you know tell me what you remember and um basically trying to i think plant the seed that like um that well basically trying to uh paint corby as a problem to to rook mm-hmm. and uh and i like his, this logic and reasoning kind of goes off on a tangent i don't really follow it but it's basically that uh we figure out through this dialogue that the the androids rook and and any other androids on this planet actually started um to resist the old ones who made them because the androids found the old ones illogical and inconsistent and emotional and so in retaliation the old ones started turning off the androids and clearly there was a struggle and it sounds like the old ones lost 
Mm-hmm. And so then there's just Rook and any other androids that we haven't seen who've just been puttering along in their own little cavern world, running machines that are all logical and consistent. And this is Android Paradise. And so Kirk argues that Corby is actually a problem because Corby is bringing these humans down here and they're inconsistent and illogical and that will destroy the androids because humans are illogical. And Rook is like, this is crazy and gets upset with Roger. Um, And Roger comes in at this point and just vanishes Rook, like uses um, Kirk's garage opener to Mm -hmm. vaporize Rook and just kind of turns to Kirk and says, I had no choice. Like, there's no, like, no, not you, Rook. It's just like, no, you're dead. You're a problem. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And uh, then there's a struggle and Kirk and Corby are fighting. And at this point it's revealed that Corby is in fact an android too. He scrapes his hand and we see a flap of synthetic skin with some circuits underneath. Mm-hmm. And uh, shocker, um, cause we didn't see this coming. <laughs> um, I didn't, I was surprised. Oh really? Oh, <laughs> yeah. I kind of, I suspected at some point especially when he started talking about transferring his consciousness. And I was like, oh, I think, oh, I think you oh. did that. Oh, okay. I, I'm the perfect audience. I never see anything coming, everything. <laughs> that's supposed to be a surprise is a hundred percent a surprise (laughs) so write your shows for me (laughs) um well okay so uh we find out that corby is an android and nurse chapel christine is is quite horrified um you know that this is what has become of her beloved fiance and he explains that um he was dying Uh, His body was freezing, his legs were gone, only his brain was alive, and this was the only way for him to survive. He needed to become an android. And he's arguing that the transference didn't change him. He's still Roger Corby, um, and he's an even better person now. But Christine is like, no, man, like you were passionate about life and you would never hurt anything. And, mm-hmm. and everything that you've done up until this point actually is proof that you aren't Roger anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're something else. You're an android. Um, and yeah. uh, uh, I think that I think we don't really see it right away, but I think that that's quite a shocking revelation for Roger. I have a feeling that up until this point, he's pretty convinced that he's himself. Um, but yeah. then to have Christine be like, no, like it's not you. And like, not even that I refuse to accept you as an Android, like that it's not prejudice against an Android body. It's just that like, no, the transference didn't preserve you mm-hmm. You're something else. And it's also um, interesting to just think about, again, how this ties in with how he has been presenting androids to all of them yeah, so far, yeah. because like, if he's convinced he's still human as an android, what distinguishes him from the other androids he's right. generated, right? Like that what he keeps it, saying they're yeah. computers, they don't love, they're illogical, yeah. and yet he thinks that he is still human enough to do all of those yeah. things. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, so it is interesting, and I think maybe sort of having her disagree with him maybe calls into question all the beliefs he's held about himself as an android versus others as androids versus androids in general versus humans in general and like basically the last six five six years all of that makes little sense although now that i say that minor tangent again yeah why hasn't he tried contacting anyone else in the last five years it's quite strange 
Um, like, did he only just perfect this thing like the day before he contacted them? Or what like spurred has... them to even go here in the first place? Right. And why has nobody else come to look for them? Or did they did and or did they and not make contact? Like, yeah, it raises questions of why the five years of isolation. Mm-hmm. Um it's at this point that um, Spock and the security crew are beaming down. We don't see it, but we are told that they have visitors. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Corby instructs Andrea to take care of them. Um, and so she pulls out her little phaser pistol. And as she's going to take care of the visitors, um, she meets Kirk, except that we know that it's Android Kirk because of the clothes that he's wearing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think she knows that. No. And what does he say? Does he say something about like kiss me? And she's like, no. <laughs> like, I, kind of I couldn't that tell. exchange. I don't know where I they would tell who there. was saying what, but yeah. amongst them, somebody says kiss me, somebody says no. And I think it may have been her saying, I'm not going to kiss you essentially, because her last yeah. interaction with a Kirk like object was not pleasant. Not pleasant. Um, so she kills him. Yeah. Yeah, I also want to like not not that this is hugely important, but when she gets the orders from Corby to go take care of the visitors, she's basically pulls out this huge gun, which is bigger than anyone else's guns at this point, yeah. um, from on top of the Fisher Price machine, and <laughs> yes. you know has to pull it off. She's like on her tiptoes, pulling this thing off that's hidden not that well, yep. and like just just ask them to put some pockets in your clothes lady like, yeah it totally. shouldn't be something you have to run to the machine room to get in, yeah. you know occasions of emergency like you're getting a little complacent with your security protocol here yeah like yeah. just or put on a belt <laughs> to go sure. with your suspender overalls like just sure. something here yeah um some extra darts not over the nipples uh to hold stuff would probably work if you did it properly <laughs> um anyway so she kills the android Kirk, thinking that it's the real Kirk. And she comes into the room where Corby and Kirk and, and Chapel are all having this conversation about whether it's really Roger or not. And I think she says something about how, you know, the, the flesh and blood Kirk escaped. So I killed him. And then she looks mm-hmm. over and like, oh, no, it's the wrong Kirk. I killed the android mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, um, from there um corby is getting more and more agitated i think about uh being human or like not being human according to chapel um and kirk is saying like prove it prove that you're still human and roger seems to kind of go into like this is preceded by this is preceded by kirk using the fact that andrea killed android kirk ah yes as an example of how the androids aren't perfect and that they are subject to doing things illogically thoughtlessly because she as an android should maybe have thought that through but i think she was reacting emotionally to her last interaction with kirk which kirk knows and he's basically saying that they're not as perfect as you say they are and that you know you are also imperfect because you're an android and at this point corby's like objecting that no i'm actually human still and that's when kirk is like prove it to me prove it all and roger's like test me tell me to do a quit and he's like forgetting words yeah he's like i don't know it's <laughs> it's uh it seems like his android brain is starting to malfunction and yeah stutter. there's a little bit of short wiring short circuiting yeah, happening so. um it's pretty alarming yeah at this point ahead. kirk is asking um andrea to give him the gun because he's like basically trying to 
manage this hostage situation yeah. almost. <laughs> and he's seeing that this may be a really opportune moment because Roger is losing his sort of cool or control over the situation. Yes. And he asks Andrea to give him the gun and she says no because she's, pr- she's programmed to protect her Corby. And at this point, I think we're really getting the impression that for whatever extent of love she's able to feel, she feels that for Corby. She yeah. cares about him very deeply. And, you know, she even says she can't because she's she's programmed to protect Corby, to love him, mm-hmm. which follows, you know, all the guesses or bitching we've done in previous parts <laughs> of the episode about how it's impossible that he hasn't messed around with her totally. prior to Christine's arrival. And she keeps repeating that she wants to kiss him and love him and kiss him and love him. Yeah. And, you know, Corby does register that. And he says very sadly that you can't, you're not human, you can't love. Because I think he's like sort of still hanging on to the remnants of his thoughts of what these totally. androids will be. Yeah. And she does kiss him at that point. And I don't know if this is intentional or not, but I think she uses the gun and both her and him vaporized vaporized yeah it's not clear but corby was and... the murder suicide <laughs> yeah like, or just like passion Cor- crime right or did corby try and take the gun away and accidentally pull the trigger it's not really clear but um, how did both of them manage for one I don't, yeah i don't know i don't know how do you vaporize both of them is it because yeah. they're touching like I don't yeah know. is it one of those things where like if you're touching anything that happens to the one android happens to the other are they on yeah. a group circuit where if she killed corby anything he created would die or is it just like the nature of the phaser beam just but then why don't you like phaser out the floor because you're touching that i don't know yeah i don't know maybe she had it on (laughs) this is so dumb maybe they're hugging and she holds her arm out (laughs) at both of them and shoots at the spot that they're touching and so yes connects with both of them and destroys them totally but do we see the gun clatter to the ground after no, nope. I don't know. I no, mean, I don't think this so. is important details. Totally forgot to include. I'm very distressed. I'm not okay. <laughs> yeah, the gun. There's the, There's a lot of questions left with this entire scene. <laughs> and this is where it ends, right? Like, yeah, for ship stuff, that's about it. We don't really get much more, and it's okay. Like, you don't really need a a debrief necessarily, but you know, in true sort of at least to me, based on what I've seen so far, Star Trek fashion, you return to the bridge and you have some quips that downplay the whole situation. Oh, not a big deal. We just went through something hyper-traumatic. Lives were lost. Emotions, humans, we matter the most. We don't matter, or other things don't matter as much. Whatever. You have this whole hour of, like, tension and upset. But we're going to finish on a high note. (laughs) Absolutely. It's just, it's all good in the hood because we're all alive on the ship again. And that's all that really matters. And by all, I mean the people who we care about the most, which is the red shirts. Yeah. 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 And like, as usual, my question is always like, what does the report to Starfleet look like for those two of deaths? (laughs) Like the mortality, fatality does not look great. Yeah. Um, Unknown. They fell to their deaths. The other one disappeared. Um, We find out that Nurse Chapel is going to stay on the ship um well actually sorry we do have a somber moment that i did ah, overlook my mistake yeah. but um while they're still on the planet spock arrives in the room where this death has just happened these series of deaths have just happened yeah. or i guess realistically short-circuiting has happened um and he asks where corby is because i guess spock just has no idea what's happened right he's right? sort of very yeah. party and like kirk very somber 
tones is like, well, Corby was never here. So yeah. that does sum it up kind of, and yeah. like maybe is the last of the seriousness. And then we have the quipping on the ship again when we yeah. cut back to them being on the bridge. <laughs> yeah. Nurse Chapel is going to stay. Um, and then Spock is like, you know, half brain was a little out of touch. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kirk is like, well, I'll remember that next time I find myself in this situation. And I'm like, it doesn't even make sense because like, it was pretty clever because mm-hmm. it's so out of touch. Um, that, like, maybe, is, he, yeah. maybe he's implying that you can insult me, but just don't use the word half-breed. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, I no. thought it was pretty clever that like you do, you just go completely overboard and say something yeah. that obviously you would, you know, Never obviously say. something is up, you know. Um, so I don't know yeah I thought it was a Spock gets it Spock laughs at the joke so they both get it it's all that matters they're the pals we're not um they both smirk oh so clever and then you know that's it we're off to the next adventure although also another kind of like not insight per se but like an interesting detail maybe the only value to that conversation between Android Kirk and real Kirk at the lunch table where he's like testing him mm-hmm. was when he asks about Sam, which is Kirk's brother. Yeah. And Android Kirk talks about how Sam saw him off before he went on this mission. And it was like our only hint so far about life off the ship. Yeah. And I was pretty interested by that yeah. because I'd be curious to know, like after every one of these mission missions, do you get like a week off? Right, do you get leave? Yeah. Yeah, like how does vacation time work on the ship because you're traveling like light years away right. and warp aside, like I doubt you can adhere to a Monday to Friday schedule. No, right? totally. It's kind of profession. So no. how does your life off the ship work? Does it yeah. you know, again, like obviously they're far further in the future based on the kinds of space travel they're doing, what you can think about currently, the kind of training and acclimatization that astronauts have to go through. Yeah, totally. To go to the space station, it ends up being like years of work, right? Yeah. So does it take that long for you to acclimatize to Earth versus to space? How often, yeah. like, are you out for years and then come back? Like, yeah. what, well, what does that look like? It's kind of interesting to have a, a brief sort of window into that. Yeah. Um, without spoiling it, I think this will come up in a future episode. Nice. Um, if I remember it correctly, we will see a little bit of like shortly. Basically, yeah. yeah, basically, yeah. what does shortly look like in yeah. in Starfleet? I'm um, I'm very looking forward to that because I think I. I get it. Like, yeah, it's only yeah. seven episodes, but I get it that, you know, you're in space, you're on a yeah. ship, things go wrong. They always go wrong. And then <laughs> you fix it. Like, nobody important really yeah. dies. And, you know, yeah. anyone who does die, apart from the red shirts, like, if it's other characters, named characters that have more than a, a dialogue or two, it's not somebody that we've had a chance to form any kind of attachment to. They're often not yeah. referring characters. So, like, you know, the formula is established and yeah. their adventures are different enough from the previous ones sure so it's not too bad but you know like generally and I think we've hinted at it a few times there's some elements that are getting a little repetitive so like barring the introduction of like crazy alien creatures that are novel like there's not a lot of like you know moral ground to cover necessarily for this internal um, conflict so much so I'm intrigued to basically have the world be built a little bit more yeah not just you know, brand new planets stick another piece of Play-Doh on a person's right. face and they're a new kind of alien. <laughs> but, but actually, like, like build what is, the starship world. Right. And build what is day-to-day the living Earth like? world. Yeah. yeah. But, like, yeah, where yeah. are they coming from? What does the Earth that's the source of 
this kind of technology, what does that look like now? Yeah. Based on the cage, didn't look very different. You know, there's still yeah. parks and trees and picnics and horses. Like, yeah. does that stay true for Kirk's world? Like, is there a huge gap in between when Kirk was captain and Pike was captain? Are, yeah. are they even in the same universe? Like, are we supposed to completely pretend Pike never actually existed, even though Spock was in that episode? Like, yeah. just more world building and therefore character building i would enjoy that for sure mm-hmm. yeah yeah but yeah this whole episode i think once we ended it both of us felt that it was shorter than others yeah but it, it was felt just as long yeah really fast mm-hmm. paced mm-hmm. not that like it whipped by but more just like it was it was moving it moved yeah. it yeah. moved along it was one of the faster episodes in terms of pacing for sure yeah and yeah i think i said it earlier already it'd be nice if there was more spock I think yeah. Janice would have been awesome in this episode. Yes, a bit more Janice. Yeah, I'd be Always down for Always a bit her. more Janice. Yeah, but especially in this one, because I feel like, you know, there's like a little, I think she does well or has done well so far in, you know, male-female inequality sort of dynamic yeah. situations. And if she were Roger's fiance, for example, yeah, I feel like she would have smacked him. Yeah, totally. even having Andrea as a kid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just like, no, this is yeah. not okay. <laughs> yeah, which I, I want to see that. I want to see yeah. Corby being slapped. Yeah, totally. I want to see everyone. I feel like slapping is something they've introduced us to in previous episodes. I want more slapping. Yeah, like I'm very I, much pro-slapping. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Bit more, please. Bit more. More slapping, please. Yeah. But yeah, that was the episode. Um, I feel like in the past few episodes, we've we've had like you know Charlie X was kind of a bit of a pinnacle, yeah. and then yeah. it's kind of plateaued a little bit and yeah. not in a great way. And we've come out of most of them being like, yeah, I guess yeah. it was okay. This was a little bit better. This was yeah. an upward trajectory for me yeah. from yeah. past episodes for sure. I so agree. That's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Um. um scale. What's our rating scale? Yeah. What's our rating scale? Um. Man, like, a, huh, I, there's a lot of things to choose from, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, styrofoam penises? Sp- styrofoam stock egg penises, um, uh, spinny tables with two oh, naked yeah. Kirks on them. Like, yeah. you know, how many Just spinny... Naked Kirks, period. Yeah, how many naked Kirks is this episode? There we go. Yeah. How many Kendall Kirks? How many Kendall Kirks? Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember our previous scores, um, but really, I should just, like rate it independently <laughs> of all the other ones yes. um i'm gonna say it was four naked kirks for me Ooh, yeah. that's a strong showing i think yeah. you're a pretty conservative scorer otherwise i know i know but you're right like it just it moved along a lot faster um and it just felt like a more tight mm-hmm. episode mm-hmm. um yeah uh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go for it yeah four yeah. naked kirks yeah, it's hard to sort of judge this independently, like in a vacuum, because it is very much influenced by what yeah. we've seen prior and how it's developed. So um, I think I may be one of those annoying survey takers that always does the neutral answer for all the questions. <laughs> so, <laughs> the rating doesn't mean much about like, right. how I really felt about the answer. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's not, it's like, you know, what is it, all the time, sometimes, yeah. can't say, occasionally, yeah. never. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've always sometimes or can't say, but anyway, so <laughs> uh, please send me a surveys. Um, but yeah. I would say for this episode, it's probably three and a half, yeah. four Kendall Kurtz. 
Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it, but there were parts that, I don't know, they weren't as engaging maybe, yeah. or there were parts that maybe, like the pacing while the fast parts were good, maybe it was just like a little too much stimulation. Like I had mm. a hard time following everything. Yeah. I guess that's okay. And also maybe it would have been easier to follow if I were just watching and not writing at the same yeah. time. But I enjoyed it. It was pretty fast paced. I think this is probably one of the solid, most solid aliens we've seen so far. Yep. Like I liked brain palsy people from the yes. first, like not real cage or not real pilot pilot, but yeah, this one is probably my favorite so far. Yeah, I agree. Of the and even it's not even an alien. Yeah, <laughs> it's an a robot. It's a robot. It's a robot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I thought it was three and a half, and yeah, I think that's that's my rating. <laughs> um, I don't think we do anything else normally, do we? No, no, that's, I think this that's is it. it. That's it. All right. Well, so please subscribe and leave ratings wherever those things can be left and our podcasts are usually available on spotify apple podcasts and through podbean so please check them out there and next week we will talk about the next episode in the series as it progresses on netflix so feel free to watch ahead and uh you know listen along as we may or may not recall things accurately in a (laughs) chronological manner yep yeah, thanks or for not. listening. Or as usual, <laughs> just, you know, take our word for it that this is what the episode was. Yeah, this is um, how it happened. Yeah. This is, this is the truth. <laughs> yes. Great. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, yeah. Bye. Bye.